Hi, welcome to your conversation. It's my conversation. Your conversation, my conversation. I'm your host, Rochelle Bailey. Have you ever thought about you're being judged on how you speak? You're a little too relaxed in your language speaking. Um, just how on how you speak or how you respond to when someone's asking you a question. So it made me think of certain things and I decided I'm going to go to back when I was in school, probably in 1975, but it was created in 1973, African-American vernacular English. And I wanted to know who came up with the term AAVE. And the term was created back here in 1973 by a group of black scholars who disliked the negative connotations of terms like non-standard Negro English that had been coined in the 1960s when the first modern large-scale linguistic studies of African-American speech communities began. I was just thinking on certain things and how um, who started Ebonics? Mr. Robert Williams, an African-American social psychologist, coined the term Ebonics also in 1973. I was just thinking of um, how when we carry on a conversation as someone to be like, for example, did you go take the babysitter to, did you go take the baby to the babysitter? And some people say, I had to go take the baby to the babysitter. And that's how they, some people would say the person was either code switching or, because I'm trying to memorize some things here, or they just could be from another country and they haven't learned the correct terminology or is speaking is just like, for example, she was the first to turn she was the first to lead us on in the running process. And then and they would say, a black person would say, she was the first that led the way. So it's sort of like a code switching there when you, you have to use the correct term or the correct sentence in the correct words in that sentence, or you did not here to even elaborate on it. You just thought what was in your head was right. And I was thinking about when I went to school in Garfield Elementary, Princeton Junior High and East High. And while I was in Garfield Elementary, Mississippi taught me a lot. Until I went to Princeton, I didn't really learn a damn thing. So I guess I was just going through the system. And once my family moved over to Plaza View, oh, East High School, I really didn't learn anything as well. I remember in the 12th grade, I was in Cleveland, Ohio, partying. And made it back to the that morning to take the test. And I think I passed with a C. And then when I attended Central State University, I had to reset my mind in order to learn how to put the commas where they should be, 
the colons, everything associated with a sentence and to respell some things. Now, I wasn't a whiz in math, but I did pretty good. I wish I would have continued to stay focused on that. But then uh, during my junior year, I left and came to Philadelphia. But during that process, CNN was coming along. And MSNBC was coming along as well. But I, I stayed focused on CNN more because it taught me uh, some other vocabulary in order how to speak. And during that time, I became self-employed once I moved to Philadelphia. And it helped me out a great deal. And when it came to writing out things, as, as such as a contract, I had Mr. Harry. And Mr. Harry was 40 years older than and he was Caucasian, well, white. And with that, he, I would put him to work as far as writing up the contracts. And I would dress up to go in to take in the contracts. So I did pretty good, praise God on that. And I had Harry. But this one particular moment, um, while I was at Armour, PA, I went into put a bid on for a building and the woman looked at me at the time and was like, well, can I see the owner? Can I speak with the owner? And um, Harry was coming in right behind me. And she said, you must be the owner of Alana's janitorial maintenance. And he looked at, up at her and said, no ma'am, she is. And the woman looked at me, she was stunned. And then I wind up, by the grace of God, um, I wind up receiving both buildings. And um, I had those buildings for a number of years until the woman expired. And then it was sold. And so on occasion, I ride past that area. But to say this, you never know who can help you out because God does send other people in your circle to help you out. But to know that you're being judged on how you speak and how you look in your speaking, I have to say this with myself, Rochelle Marie Bailey. Oh my God, I think for, I'm very thankful for the people that I have met after East High School because the teachers really did not teach me anything and they had to work with what that what they had because it was just part of a system in certain area and areas. And along with that, once I began to study some things on my own and begin to correct my own language and to, uh, just to do everything I was trying to do correctly so that, it, that I can speak to people, a lot of times I just, sit back and observe because you have to remember what Maya Angelou has said. When it comes to watching people, they are always a parade of people because they have their own colors and their own language. And they do. And just like, I still have a problem of 
certain words I'm still trying to pronounce. And I practice on my own. I don't ask anyone. My daughter, she's a junior in school, in college rather, and she helps me out, but she walked me through it one time. And then I had to learn on my own. But I'm still learning also because I have an assistant. <laughs> she's only 18 and she's teaching me a lot as well. But I was just still thinking how much TV can teach a lot of people. Even though people may criticize television for when a person is watching certain things. Because if you come to my place, you'll see a number of televisions. They have a lot of new shows. I do watch MSNBC, CNN, and yes, my white friends Fox. So, but to say this, that certain words that they pronounce, particularly on Fox Network, I learned that they say things, the way that they speak is the way I had started out. And I was watching some of the, the reporters as well, some of the anchor people. And I was also thinking of people who, are, who live in the West. You ever get, just take a real good look at them and watch how they use their dialect and uh, some of the words that they use. It's almost like everyday language. But I did learn this. When it came to suffice, I knew suffice meant you have to be accurate about what you're saying. So a lot of times when you say, uh, well, a bigger vocabulary word, quote unquote, it, it also gives you the definition in that conversation. But just think about that for a moment. And the next time someone says something to you, just listen to them slowly. Uh, listen to them accurately. And to a certain degree, I don't even mind just saying, could you repeat that, please? Because even though they may have forgotten what they repeated, what they had said, excuse me, sometimes you can record it in your head and you'll be like, oh, so you were saying this about the technical situation or something of that nature. But, you know, when, let's just take a moment and I'll be right back. Thank you. Welcome back to your conversation, my conversation. I'm your host, Rochelle Bailey. I was having a conversation about African-American vernacular English, which I'll on occasionally what we call clickable conversation. I mean, excuse me, clickable controversial term, particularly in urban, working in middle-class African Americans and Black Canadians. So if you have anything that you would like to add or you want to correct me, you're able to hit me up on 215 3853660 Once again, I'm Rochelle Bailey. I welcome all comments. And your conversation can become 
our conversation. Once again, 215-385-3660. Thank you.